What is up, guys? RLTK Podcast. We are here in the studio. Yes, sir. With my boy, John. What's up? Chris. What up? What, up? what is up? What's up, man? The Chris black masked Chris. up. Chris from Dallas. 100. All Triple way. D all day. day Lord Fried problem. chicken. Oh, dirty, dirty Dallas. Hey. Dallas Cowboys Triple all day. Amen. Hey. Pleasant Grove. Hey. Let's go. Let them hey. know. And then <laughs> we have another Chris. Special guest. Lesser Chris. Chris. Lesser Chris. I wouldn't say Equal lesser. Chris. Right. Come on now. Equal right. Chris, baby. Right. Come on. Hey, My homie Chris Townley. about this. Good friend. You guys may have seen him on some of the videos that he mm-hmm. created for us on um, the disruptions that the Holy Spirit causes, which is super dope. You should go check it out if you can. It's on our app, so you should go take a look Powerful at that. Stuff. Or you can go look at our, our Facebook group or on our YouTube page, Reva. Some dope content. Uh, but Chris, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you yeah, for man. taking the time out. For sure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so let's let our listeners get to know you a little bit. So who are you? What do you do? Tell us a little bit about your story, man. Yeah, cool. Uh, my name's Chris. I'm a church planner right now. So best time to plan a church is right before a pandemic. So we, we, <laughs> we, we hit that False off. claim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we just, we went for that. We, we spent, we spent about a year just in, in homes doing meals and awesome. figuring out who we were. And then, then we launched off meeting corporately and about six months later, pandemic hit, mm-hmm. zoomed for 36 weeks. Oh my gosh. And then in November started meeting outside, distanced, yeah. masked up. So trying to hold that tension, especially just um, Man, within, within our community, one where we meet, we meet in downtown Phoenix, and oh, so nice. there's a hey. uh, a movement of people experiencing homelessness in that place. The church that we meet at has an older congregation. We have uh, a, a multi-ethnic group of people who join us, and there's just a lot of ways in which we want to work to to make sure everybody's staying healthy. That's so cool. In all this, so we're doing our best to hold the tension as a church plant for one. Yeah. Uh, in all of that, let alone just what's going on. <laughs> Uh, maybe another unique thing about the the journey of church planning for me is that uh, we're we're led by a team of three mm-hmm. uh, co-pastors, mm-hmm. um, myself, Chase, and and then uh, Aaron, who just joined us in uh, January. So hopefully, you get to meet her sometime soon. Yeah, she's coming on the podcast. Too, yeah. She just doesn't know it yeah, yet. Yeah, she just doesn't know it yet. Yeah, she'll be down though. So you guys have a yeah. female pastor. Yep. Right on. Yep. Yep. So. Brum, 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 brum. So we, we, we could we could roll. You mean women can preach the word too? Yeah. And she's black. Believe it or not, believe it or not, we need more black women preaching and pastoring. Brum, 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 brum. Yeah. So, <laughs> so another unique, that's just that's a unique thing about us is also we're kind of trying yeah. to push the envelope a little bit even that's awesome. and, and church leadership um, as, so as that forms us. So mm, yeah, it's good, bro. Something you mentioned earlier that I want you to speak to because obviously I know the yeah. uniqueness of some of the things that you guys are doing. You you mentioned the meal. Yeah. Right. And so just if you were going to, and you know, I'm not trying to bash on anybody or anything like that, but if you were going to speak to the uniqueness of what you guys are doing through Kaleo and as it pertains to the meal and some of those other rhythms that you guys have. Yeah. Could you just like, is Kaleo the name of the church? Yeah. Yeah. Kaleo is the name of our church. Kaleo Phoenix. Um, which we could talk Greek. How do you, how do you spell it? Just for our listeners. K-A-L-E-O. Awesome. They have a dope logo. They yeah. have dope shirts, hey. which which is all irrelevant if you don't do dope work. But no, one hundred percent. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So yeah, we 
okay, like at the at the core of kind of who we are is is we try to practice the ways of Jesus together, and we just see Jesus eating his way through the New Testament, you <laughs> know. Cool. So um, the Chris was like, "I'm in." Yeah, 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 yeah. and we eat well. We eat well. So you fried chicken? Yeah, hey, hey, whatever, whatever you want, man. Whatever you want, we'll do it. Um, yeah, so you know, not not a meal after the the gathering, and not like a uh, an afterthought, but as a culmination of our gathering. So mm-hmm. we, we move towards the table oh, wow. as like our final act of mm-hmm. our worship gathering where Jesus is the host. Everyone has a seat at the table. Man, that's good, bro. Um, and, and we eat good food and, and drink good drink. And, you know, Jesus didn't say, you know, taste and sip. So we we, mm-hmm. we drink, we eat, like we, we go for it. Um, and really, that honestly, if we're going to have a conversation here in a minute, that's, I think, unfolds from a place where like we, we've got to cultivate more more space around the the table eating with one another mm-hmm. where we acknowledge that Jesus is the host of that table mm-hmm. and and that we identify the image of God in each person as we share that space so what do you find that's yeah. so significant about eating together like what is that oh dude I think I think there's a handful of reasons one I mean it's just it's so tangible mm-hmm. so so we just all face to yeah we we all and, it, and we're all eating we're smelling the same smells we're we're passing things around mm-hmm. we're partaking together there is something different too when yeah, you're 100%. sitting there looking at somebody chewing on some food and you're asking them a question <laughs> like there's just some there's some vulnerability mm-hmm. that, that's there too and and I do think that's like the the place where Jesus did so much of his uh, like formation his drawing people together I think that's most representative obviously of just the the multi ethnic family of God, this culmination of what was being pointed to, even in the, the wedding banquet and revelation, like all of these things that are hosted around the table. Uh, I mean, even just if you take in the Gospel of John, Jesus, first thing that he shows up and does is he, is he brings more wine to to a wedding feast. Yeah. You know, like there's just something embodied at the table that, that I think draws us. I mean, to like the marriage feast of the Lamb is yeah. talked about in heaven, exactly. like the big. Yeah, it's dinner. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's a it's a metaphor throughout, yeah, uh, throughout cool. the scripture, and so I, I think it holds that place. You know, I, we've talked about this in a couple places around real talk things too. Is it's also a place where you can like detangle yourself from from just the digital world mm. too. Mm. Like, man, can you imagine if we just every once a week we had a meal where we put our phones aside and we mm. were just present to one another and all that focused around Christian community, yeah, love, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, that's so. good, bro. Yeah. Trying really trying to good. do that. We can't do that right now. We're not eating right now yeah. in our church gatherings. So literally we just finish finish our gatherings by praying a prayer that we wrote is a prayer of longing and celebration. We celebrate that we get to be together, but we long for the table. Man, uh, that's good, bro. Time, so yeah. Man. Wow. It's so deep. Yeah, bro. It's rich. Yeah. I think that's the thing that's it's missing rich. from a lot of church experiences nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's like it's very user-friendly the user-friendly church you know mm-hmm. there's something that should mm-hmm. be inconvenient about church you yeah. know what i mean like there's it's a call to, to un- be a it's part un- of the it's body. uncomfortable to sit down at a table with people you don't know or not even just people that you don't know people who yeah. aren't like you mm-hmm. you know like that at our table is present multi-ethnic mm-hmm. gathering multi-generational gathering multi-economic gathering and that's so different yeah. from our modern culture because everyone wants to get in their silo you know yeah. you want to yeah find all the things you're into so twitter customizes your feed you know yeah, it's totally. like yeah you yeah, can't really customize your church experience is what it's, you're saying. it's hard it's hard you can and i think a lot of people <laughs> do but it's harder to customize your church experience and give in to your implicit biases mm-hmm. if you're cultivating a table where there's a diversity of people present 
Well, you're you're. You it know. seems like your model is nurturing that. You're nurturing inclusivity. Yeah, you're which nurturing, is the goal. Yeah, yeah totally. it's beautiful, so, man. We'll that's good. That's we'll see, dope. it doesn't. And that, dude, that doesn't grow fast. That mm-hmm. doesn't like. Not at all. That, that's that's <laughs> the other thing. That's I think that's why we give up on it. Right. Um. As well, mm-hmm. like it's a it's a slow work. Um, well, that was like your story of the the water, right? I remember yeah. you were telling yeah, about the how the. Yeah, yeah, that, that was water. such a great. Yeah. For sure. So married. Uh yeah, married. Yep, married. Got a dog, no no kids. Hey. My my wife. A doctor. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a doctor, and my, and my and my wife's a doctor. She's <laughs> she's finishing her residency in emergency medicine right now. Nice. Yeah, awesome. so so she's a badass. That's awesome. Hundred uh, percent does great work too. Uh, we've lived in downtown Phoenix for the last seven years. Man, yeah, that's so, awesome. Yeah, that's what we're up to. And you like coffee. I love coffee. Love basketball. What did you drink hey, this morning? I just, I just got the drip from Cartel, bro. Drip? Something my yeah. bad. Yeah, what, what roast was it? I don't know. You didn't tell me today. Uh, <laughs> I was in you a can hurry. just tell those. What's guys your favorite whatever? roast? It's always good. What's my favorite? Yeah, favorite. Oh, Putting they you on just, the spot. They just had one too, and I can't remember what it was called, but it had like. The, or your favorite ever in general? My favorite roast ever in general. Mm-hmm. Oh, Be a man. dark guy. Uh, no. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Medium. 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 Yeah. Keep it medium, and then give me some like fruit fruit taste mm. in it and I'm, mm. I'm good to go see i'm a komodo and then where do you man, where do you want your bean from where do you want your bean from i said bean <laughs> yeah where do, I want, where do i want my bean from i don't know some some local farmer who got paid a fair price hey to, come on smoke we gotta get some he has sound all the effects, best bro. answers bro we gotta get him on every podcast <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's uh, funny that's yeah all right so cool. i don't know you what you want anything else is that good no i think that's sufficient uh, i think our uh well, in fact, hey, if somebody wanted to check you guys' church out, where would they go? Uh, KaleoPHX.com. Okay, be perfect. the best place. Or you check us out on Instagram at KaleoPHX. And it's K-A-L-E-O? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's dive into our topic of conversation. Um, we wanted to talk to you today about peace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason, it obviously, is that we see so much turmoil in our world. Uh, we see so many things going on in all different types of spheres of life. Obviously, COVID disrupted everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, families, jobs, um, politics, uh, issues of race, issues of socioeconomics, uh, education. Like, I mean, there's not a sphere in our society that has not been disrupted, right? Yep. Right. And so people's lives have been thrown into absolute turmoil. And so one of the things that we most certainly need right now is peace. Uh, and so I just wanted to start by defining it. So help us mm-hmm. like what, what is peace? Yeah. No, I mean, let me, I'm just, yeah, it's a great question. I, I, I love the topic. I'm not sure why I'm here. I'm not like a peace expert by any <laughs> means. So just to have a convo, I think is probably why I'm here. Yeah. But, but even as I, as I think about peace, I, I think that if, if I want to go deep and, and reframe it, it's it's what do we really mean by peace? We, we mean shalom, mm-hmm. and at least biblically speaking, that mm-hmm. that's what the word is never just like peace, like we think about it. Can you explain shalom a little bit yeah, for our audience yeah. that might not understand? Yeah, so so shalom would even just be like a, a holistic peace. Um, that this this idea of reconciled relationship, God, humanity, mm-hmm. creation, uh, all all at peace with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, leans heavily on the concepts of of love, of justice, of just God's created intention from the beginning. Uh, one, one of my mentors, um, he he talks about it from an indigenous perspective. He's an indigenous man, and he calls it the Harmony Way. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's another like image when we we're like, what is peace? And we can think the the Harmony 
way. Uh, mm. I, I brought a definition with me to yeah, one school. Uh, mm. Yeah, this is this is from Walter Brueggemann, and he he says it like this. Um, the central vision of world history in the Bible is that all of creation is one. Every creature in community with every other, living in harmony and security toward the joy and well-being of every creature. Mm. Shalom, is the sub- Shalom is the substance of the biblical vision of one mm. community embracing all creation. Mm. So I just I think there's that. a robustness to that when we're saying we want peace. If we, if we as, as followers of Jesus go like this is, we're actually saying right. like, this whole thing, like peace can be no, it's this dream that God had from the beginning. Yeah. That's what we long for. Mm. Um, and so mm. anyway, that's like that's, the whole world coming to the table. Yeah. Every tribe tongue. It's kind of like Kaleo, exactly. right? Like, there's, there's something that, yes, that we're trying to tap. And that, I feel like that should mm. define the church of Jesus Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, Jesus himself is referred to as one of his titles is the Prince of Peace. So yeah. I would assume like wherever he's in charge, peace ought to be there, right? Right. Mm. And so when you look at the the state of the church today and you see like a lot of people, especially non-believers, are looking at Christians today and they think they're very responsible for the lack of peace in our societies right now. You know, when it comes to political turmoil, when it comes to principles of capitalism, when it comes to a lot of things that evangelicals or what, American Christians typically are, are known for, they aren't things that seem to be peaceful things. Right. You know, we're very war hawkish, many of us. We're very, you know, America, you know what I mean? Like, come on, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, like, at what point does does the Christian call to peace in this vision that Brigman had said of, of this unity around, mm-hmm. you know, diversity, I guess you might say. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I th- yeah, I think it meshes that. It's, that, it's kind of like, I mean, we have these buzzwords mm-hmm. that we use. We like to use them. They're helpful, but sometimes they don't mean what we want them to mean. Mm. Too. So even when we say diversity or unity or peace, mm. I think it's actually embodied even best in this concept of shalom, mm. where love and justice and God's big dream are like, they all come together in that place. So it wouldn't just That's be... Good. You know, ah, yeah, if we would just be more unified, it's like you can't be unified without love and justice flowing True. through it. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't just have peace if you don't acknowledge where the injustice lies. Or, or so good. Or it's like, I'll get to it in a, in a little so bit. So you have to recognize too. the yeah. injustice, not yeah. just Man, close your eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fitting. Ouch. We're having this conversation on, on February 1st, the first day of Black History Month. And mm-hmm. I, I want to. I want to, in a minute here, just hit on some of what Dr. King talks about when he talks about peace, but he has this concept mm. that he calls obnoxious peace. Wow. And, and so just like let that, let that settle for a second, and then yeah. we'll, we'll get to it in a, yeah, in a well, later part here. Let that sink in our head. I'm, I'm, I'm like, tell me now. What's the next tell question? Tell me now, <laughs> please. <laughs> see, I see why he's a pastor. <laughs> You're going to have to hang on <laughs> to this last point. You have you to wait until the end of the sermon. You're sleep in church, eh? What? Stay with me. That's preacher tactic. You got right. us, bro. Uh, I'm in. I'm in, bro. It's, uh, yeah, bro, it's interesting. <laughs> what I, as I hear you talk, one of the things I think about is this reality that in the context of peace itself, when we think about peace, there's this reality that, man, I forgot where I was going to go with that. Where was I going to go with that? You were talking about the context of peace. 
I got a text message, and so I got a, <laughs> distracted when you were talking. <laughs> See, man, look at, we can't even get our digital devices out <laughs> right. of this I know, podcast, right? bro. Just it, hey, me. How, about, how about this idea, though, too? Because we started talking about Jesus, yeah, yeah. the Prince of Peace. Mm-hmm. And, and I think oh, a place okay. where I take the cue, my cues from when I start to think about peace mm-hmm. is, that, is that what Jesus says to us in the Sermon on the Mount, to be peacemakers. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that, that, that's, an, mm-hmm. that's initiating. There, there has to be something active uh, about our peace, right? And, and so, if exactly. he's the Prince of Peace, and he invites his followers to be peacemakers, mm-hmm. we have to ask ourselves: How did Jesus make peace, and Come how on, do we brother. go with him to to accomplish avoidance that? and peace are not they're, the same. They're not thing. the same. And, and I agree. I think the church has avoided topics like racism, mm-hmm. has avoided to- topics like the fair distribution of of finances among totally. the church. Yep. Uh, it's funny how like yep. we can send all sorts of money overseas on missions for people there, but like, what about the homeless in our communities? Like, yep. at what point have we turned our our eyes away from the poor amongst us? Yep. You know, mm. like, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I'm kind of yeah. rifting right now, right, but I I'm totally ready. agree. Yeah. Like, we have. I, I remembered. I remembered my thought again. That's okay, good, cool. Man. Fill us in. So peace. I'm gonna take a sip really. Mm. Yeah, a lot of time to take a sip while we're all talking. But mm. Whatever. I'm doing the same thing that you did. <laughs> I feel you. So there's this reality that in order to have peace, there has to be this central idea that we find peace around, right, or Mm. in. And so when we look at our world, there are all these competing visions for peace, right? And so it's so compelling when you look at Jesus's vision for peace, right? Because he's the one who can ultimately truly bring us all together in a way that does not separate or segregate anybody. Good Lord. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, so I can create a vision of peace, but it might be centered around everybody having money. Yep. Right. Exactly. Well, everybody doesn't have it. Exactly. Yeah. Or <laughs> around the color of my skin. Well, everybody doesn't have the same color of skin that I do. Yeah, it's exactly. a lot or the more, country it's a that lot I more live holistic, in. Exactly. The peace that he's Exactly. Making. Shalom. Yeah. Because now it's based on the creator and the fact that he has made everybody in his image. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's something that is universal across the board. If you are born and you are human, you are made in the image of God and you have infinite yeah value and dignity and worth that has been yep. bestowed upon you by your creator mm-hmm. because yep. in his infinite wisdom mm-hmm. he decided to bestow it upon you exactly it's funny too when you think about this in terms of like the context of wealth and inequality like one of the first major things that the holy spirit decided to do to the church to rebuke it was to show people who are being greedy or trying to make a show of their finances that that ought not to be ananias and sapphira right mm. and so this whole idea of peace in the community and back to peacemaking it's like god's proactive about that, I, 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 first of all, I'm getting fed right now. Let me just put it out there like that. <laughs> no, look, we're, I haven't gotten fed like this in a while. This, this is my thing here. This is profound to me because I didn't see, I didn't see peace the way that we're talking about it, because people pursue peace, right? People pursue because we want to escape struggle. Mm-hmm. We want to mm-hmm. escape problems, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, okay, so, uh, um. I was listening to a lecture last night about civil rights and he was talking, he was breaking down the idea of what right is. And it's, and it stems, it stems from a word that's, that, that combines with, it's called straight, mm-hmm. making things straight. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And so, um, what Jesus did, he made things right. Mm-hmm. He's the Prince of Peace because he made things right. Mm, yeah. And when things every are right, place, now you can have peace. Yeah. Yep. He said to us, go do that. Yeah. Go right? make things right. Go make yep. things Dang. right. Yep. 
Absolutely. That's where peace comes from, is That's making things right. Make things right. <laughs> My, you, you understand what I'm saying? That's, yeah. And so, but how can you get a vision of what right is? Exactly. <laughs> That's why Jesus says he's the Logos, right? So yes. like, you can't understand right. You can't understand the Logos, what right is, if you mm-hmm. don't understand Christ. Prince of peace. Bro, my mind is blown. I can like do you, like what do you think yeah. about that? Like, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think that's I think that's what Jesus is in fact doing. That, mm. That's because he's right is what God intended from the beginning, mm. right? That's like the dream of God was that rightness mm. or reconciled union or community among all existed. Mm-hmm. God, people, creation, ourselves, mm-hmm. that we would even have peace within ourselves. Yeah. And so I, I think there's like these two distinctions that start to come out when we talk about peace or rightness mm-hmm. or justice or what it is, is that there's there's personal peace, mm-hmm. which right is just like that's that's an that's an emphasis on, on inside of us and our relationship with other people. But then there's there's structural peace as well. And that, that means then that we have to be about replacing systems where shalom has been broken the or spirit. systems that produce broken shalom. Man. So, like, we're going to talk probably in a minute about war. That's, that's, that's why we got to talk about that. Bah, bah, or, bah, bah. or greed-driven economic systems. Yep. Like, we got to talk about that. Or abusive leadership. We've got to talk about that. Mm. Because, because peace is, is it's internal and relational on this personal level. Like, we all have to navigate how the four of us will live at peace with one another in mm-hmm. the world. But then there's the structural peace mm. that's beyond that as well. Bro, it's so and good. that's what we, we have to name that as well. And I think that's that's the rightness piece you're talking about yes. to, to to make the structural straight again yes. is is something that Jesus came to do and show us because that's yeah. what God intended all along from mm-hmm. the beginning. hundred percent. And I think as we transition into that, it's so important good. to note because I think a lot of people, when we talk about this issue of systemic change, right? social change if we will uh they get antsy or get weird right and and christians too yeah and i think it's because we're not understanding what jesus comes to do in the gospel Mm, right like it makes me think of i think it's second corinthians where it talks about being a new creation in christ and Mm -hmm. it goes on to say that we're to reconcile the world yeah because god is reconciling the world to himself in christ yeah it doesn't say just individuals it says the world right and so what is the point that god is redeeming and restoring everything yes and that when he returns he's not gonna just blow it all up right he's gonna remove sin from it yeah. New heaven, new earth. It yeah. means restored. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean, hey, God's going to drop Erase a new on it and then <laughs> yeah. create a new one. He's going to create a new one. I messed up the first time. Exactly. <laughs> By purging it of I that know. which is now currently it's tormenting crazy how many it, Christians view right? that. And yeah. so because of that, we now live in the in-between yep. where God has done this amazing work through Jesus and we're waiting for him to fulfill it. Yep. And we're supposed to be agents of, of that and fulfillment. We, par- we participate in it now. And why that's so hard for people people, and I think Christians in general, is that when the thing is not right, the one who benefits from the not rightness is not ready to relinquish back to the equality needed 100%. for us all to have what we were intended yeah. to have. And, and so so then peace becomes really active. Like it becomes making, because where there is economic division, mm-hmm. the one who has much 
tends to, in our structures, at least in the Western world, mm-hmm. not want to release any of that. Mm-hmm. And scripture is pretty clear. Paul says, I command those who are rich to be generous. And so there can't, yeah. be, it's any, not a suggestion. There can't be any peace where that's not happening mm-hmm. because it's, I mean, you can't be like, hey, just relax over there with you're not enough. Like, hey, just just live at peace. And they're like, I, I can't eat. My family doesn't thrive. I'm working three jobs. Put your eyes like, on Jesus, brother. Yeah, it's like that doesn't work. Yeah. That's because it requires all of us because that's shalom. Yeah. Mm. Like someone that, was yeah. telling me, I saw a meme recently where it was uh, someone saying, if if poor people would just stop being lazy and invest in their money instead of spending it, and then it was talking about the Robinhood app situation that recently happened when poor people actually decided to start investing in the stock market, and then what did they do? They shut it down. So there are a different set of rules for the rich than there are for the everyday man. It's Seems absolutely like it. ludicrous that so many people in our world who live comfortable lives don't understand this, right? But this is, I think, the rub between comfort and peace. When you're saying people want to be those peacemakers and make things right, it's hard when you're living in a four-bedroom home and you got a swimming pool and you got your 401k and you're making money off your 401k off of kids in you know some sweatshop somewhere sewing together cheap goods for Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's like no one thinks on those terms. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. And that's yeah. the thing, right? And I think it's important to note that none of us are saying you can't have stuff. No. Right. And Jesus doesn't say you can't have stuff. The question he asks is, what are you going to do with it? Yeah, totally. Mm. I mean, that's, I mean, it's, he's pretty, he's pretty clear. It? He's like, you can't have two masters. Mm. You, you know, you can't serve God and money. Like, okay, mm, great. Then what do we do with it? And I, and I think that's the question mm. of if we're going to be peacemakers, we, we really do have to go like, okay, how, mm. like, how mm. do we do that? You know, like, mm. how do we actually do that? A, a way that, that we spend time talking about it is like cultivating habits or a way of, of living that that models itself after the rhythms of Jesus's life. So it's it's a holistic work. It's not like a program. You can't program peacemaking. Yeah. yeah. You you have to be you become a holistic peacemaker. Mm. And so a lot of the times the way we'll we'll talk about it in, in our church community is we'll say we're we're striving to be people who humbly seek the presence of God who are being formed as the family of God to join the mission of God. Mm. And those three things are this like culmination of the way Jesus lived his life. They move together like as a spiral. They all encompass one another. Mm. And so we, we have to then figure out how we live such a way as that, form those habits in us. Because mm-hmm. you can't be formed as the family of God without relinquishing some of what you have for the sake of the one who doesn't have it. Mm-hmm. Like, you just can't become that. So if you're just seeking the presence of God, just pray, be with Jesus, and then go do your thing, you missed that thing in the middle where you became you became one, you became a family of God, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's when, I think you were talking about Paul talking, you know, about unity too. That's, what Jesus came and do was he tore down the wall of hostility Right. And that's all of these all of these places where peace is not present. That's because there's a wall of hostility separating us from the haves and have nots of whatever it is, whether Mm -hmm. it's the the benefits of an economic system, whether it's white supremacy, whether it's patriarchy, whatever it is. There's all these walls of hostility separating Mm -hmm. us from one another. And to make peace is to dismantle those walls. In fact, I mean, it's good. So Mm -hmm. the question that I threw in there. Yeah. That I think you've kind of uh, hawking to. We'll dive into it. Do we have to make war in order to gain peace? It's a good question, isn't it? It's a question because we've been fighting for the entire existence of of the world. Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm just gonna like I'll just say my answer, Pat. Right? No, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I think there's a few a few things there. 
and, and even just the first question that I would frame around, you know, is war necessary to find peace? Have we lost our created creativity to imagine, along with Jesus, uh, another way, uh, something other than war, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're just going to take our cues from Jesus, the Prince of Peace, it seems to me like war would be off the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, yeah. like I just, I can't find that in in the the life of Jesus. Yep. Then then I'll often go like, okay, sure. Next I'd ask about Paul. Like that's the whole thing that Jesus did in Paul's life mm-hmm. is he was a violent man and then he encounters Jesus and you never hear about a violent act again. Mm-hmm. Like wow. th- there's not a single like because he was saved from that. Like that that's you know he's he's been changed. He actually took on violence on him yes, his own so. Exactly. So so I mean I think that's the that's the first picture there. And then if mm. if I'm going all right, what's like the hardest thing that Jesus had to say? Love your enemy. Right? Okay, he says that. That's again that's in the Sermon on the Mount not long after he he told us to to be peacemakers, right? Invites us to that way of life. Then he says to love your enemy. And you're like, how can you love your enemy if you go to war with them? Dang. And it, I mean, I think somebody can give me an answer because people have been giving us answers sure. about that all the time. I just don't agree with them. Yeah, it's, it's just it's, war theory. Totally, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. And we could we could do a whole podcast on just war theory yep. if we wanted to, but that sounds terrible to me. Yeah, but no we, way. <laughs> but we could, right? Because yeah. because something had to be created it's in the church. Exactly. Yeah. And and actually, if you look at just war theory, I mean, you could just Google it, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's like nine or ten steps to it. And, and really, if you actually followed just war theory, you wouldn't end up at war really ever, too. Like, it's pretty stringent, but we just, like, say the name, and we're like, yeah, see? Oh, yeah, yeah we don't, okay. We don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. You know? And I, and I just—I think the way of Jesus is—I mean, I think he embodies the nonviolent Messiah, but he's not complacent. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't just back away and do nothing— he, he tells us actually three, three stories in this whole context of the Sermon on the Mount and the, the loving your enemy, right? He does the three things. He says, turn the other cheek. He says, give up your coat. And he says, go the extra mile. Mm. And, and I think in our general reading of that, we think like, oh, what a passive wuss, man. Like, come on. What? You want, me to, you want me to roll up and just take it in the face? You want me to just roll up and hand over my coat? By choice. Yeah, like willingly do that. You want me to just keep carrying this guy's gear, this Roman soldier who's been oppressing me and my people all along another mile? It doesn't make sense. And that's because that's not how we're supposed to read it, would be, right. would be my interpretation of it, right? What Jesus is offering here is, is three creative solutions for subversion in which the people who are being oppressed would, would reclaim their dignity as people, right? So there's, there's more going on there, and I think that's a great model for us in, in what's happening here in a, the question about war, is that Jesus shows us that there's another way. Mm-hmm. Like that's th- great. That's, and, and now... If we're go- if we're just going to take it vast, like you, we can't solve this right mm-hmm. here either, because because that's that's still just still person to person or people to people, mm-hmm. and, and war is so much more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. I think it, if you were to just ask me over the top, I'd, I'd take my cues from Jesus and even from Paul in that sense, and, and I would say, 
what what is our creative imagination for something else for another way than war and honestly i think it's a little bit of our western mindset that locks us into just let's just maybe maybe if constantine hadn't had bad pizza the night before and had that vision of the cross we'd be in a different place bad pizza right (laughs) well whatever i mean in my mind that's where the history of the church changed from being an oppressed people who the greatest among them were the servants but once constantine gave us power we ceased to be those people and now we exercise and, our political power and then they leveraged and then they leveraged the person of Jesus for their yeah. trajectory of war right so that became crosses on shields prayers before 100% like, because we will do any i mean that's the story of the crusades we'll do we'll do anything to to make sure our Jesus fits yep. our ego and whatever it is and, that and, we want to accomplish and what's the difference between our vanilla ISIS fighters who are storming the government and trying to take it over it's the same thing that ISIS is doing for an islamic government that they don't think is pure enough yep like there's no difference between our good old fashioned country boy evangelicals who think they need to go like storm the capital in the name of Jesus to get all the pedos out of there. It's like we are those guys are ISIS. Mm. What's the difference? I don't know. Yeah. And I mean that And this goes back to the war question. Can we have peace without it, war? And that's and then that that that's a question for our day though, in the sense that then how do we make peace in, in the midst of all of this too? Mm. When when we have people in, baptizing in the name of Jesus, their their insurrectionist mm. goal to storm storm the Capitol building, and flying flags that say Jesus saves, right? Hosting prayer and worship. The problem is too that all of the people present there become one, like they they became the entire entity. So you can't really tell us. Yeah, I just I just went there to to, to pray. And believe that things would change. like you became a part of that move, and then you baptize that move in the name of Jesus. Mm. Like that's what we tend to do, and I think that's what we do with war mm. as well. Um, and I, this is probably not the, the conversation where we envision all of the options that would exist beyond mm. uh, war for making peace. But I think that would probably be the premise mm. of that. Res- the, my response to that question, mm. man, man, that's heavy. It's very heavy. Yeah. Once again, I said this in the last, last podcast. I'm going to say it again. We want to get heavy this year. That's our goal. We're real talk. Yeah. We really want to talk about issues from all different perspectives and sides. Yeah. And the question somebody has to answer that's listening to our podcast is, are you going to shut us out? Yeah. Are you going to keep listening? And the reality is this, and this is what I want to get to now, as we start to talk about Gen Z, they have a completely different perspective on the world mm-hmm. than ours. And if we're not willing to listen to their ideas and their perspectives on the world, which are going to be different and are probably going to freak us out a little bit for unwilling to do that, then we'll lose them. Yeah. And essentially what we do is we lose our ability to influence what's going to happen in the future. Mm -hmm. And we do have something valuable to offer, which is our experience, but we won't be able to offer it if we can't sit and listen and we can't understand. Totally. And so, Mm. um, how do you think Gen Z will find peace mm-hmm. how will they do that yeah i mean th- this is always the tension of even actually all of the questions here is again like i i wish we had gen z right here you know and and we said what does that mean to you like that's that's the thing so one to be people who are inquisitive mm-hmm. and and asking questions and mm-hmm. and cultivating ongoing dialogue with gen z and asking them these things for sure uh, i think Overall, we certainly just see like 
Jesus at the center of that. Mm. You know, like that's, that's such a silly answer on some level, but I think we've made more of what that really means. So, so I guess a way that I envision Gen Z mm. finding peace is, is rhythms of life that, that are founded on communion. Mm. And I don't mean like a wafer and dipping in some juice, right? Mm-hmm. But like, like again, holistic communion. First, mm. we are, we are people shaped in the image of God, a communal God, Father, Son, and Spirit. The, the communion is within us. And then we are people who were created for that communion lived out in the world. And if and if we can embody those those two things with with God and with ourselves and with community, mm-hmm. I, I think that that's actually the the peace that we were designed for. Because I think that's shalom. Mm-hmm. That's that's Gen Z shalom. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and I think then they can they can have all the different worldviews, experiences, conversations, like the things that happen to them in their life that are different than what happened to us in our lives. But that's still the rooted foundation of it all. And so so I think if Gen Z is to find peace, it's it's to find it in a in a life of Jesus that is founded in this mm-hmm. communion that one each each one of them is is formed and shaped in the image of a communal God and the communion isn't just like look we hang out together it's it's like the depths of love mm-hmm. it's like it's formed out of this it's love good. God God so loved God's self that God created us in his loving image mm-hmm. and to receive that, which is an identity thing for sure. And I know, I know real talk talks a lot about that as well, uh, flows from that place, but then to then live from that, that communal, uh, launching point, which is tricky because I think communion actually runs up against what, what I would say is connection mm. or, or just a settling for a distorted version of, of communion in the digital age. Mm. And I think that's the challenge that we're seeing presently. It you mean the presence of Christ when you yes. say communion, right? Yes, yeah. Like, yes, it's, it's full. It's, it's Jesus with us. And we settle for connection mm. in a digital space, which I, we're all, that's true right, for all of exactly. us. I mean, you're probably listening to this because of the benefits of the digital age, for sure. Mm. Yep. But it, it's overlapped the Gen Z life in a way that that's all they've ever known. Mm-hmm. And so I think the tendency can be to think that you can receive the peace that comes from the communal presence of God by way of a distorted connection in the digital world. Mm-hmm. And so I think Gen Z finds peace when they themselves cultivate spaces that embody these things that Jesus modeled for us, mm. the, the sinky, the presence of God, the being formed as the family of God, the joining the mission of God. Mm. And so it's, it's really, it's analog and tangible in that sense. Yeah. Too. You really can't divorce gathering from No, it. while leveraging, though, their their own unique experiences with the digital True. age. And I, and I think that they'll show us in the future. How to make it a exactly. They'll take that to another level and leverage it for the the good or the peace or the shalom they want to accomplish in the world. Mm. And that's good, bro. That's a really profound point on communion. I think about this reality too that um you talked about shalom and the need for justice, right? The need for the the things that are wrong to be made right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely Gen Z. And I think, yeah, I think it's interesting because I think our, I think millennials and above, we're really good at talking about stuff. Like we're having this rich conversation right now. And imagine if we could take all our talk and impart it to Gen Z in a way that they could do something with it. 
and actually bring the justice, bring um, the rightness that needs to be brought in order for us to experience that shalom. And then wouldn't that be almost a unifying of the generations in a sense, right? That we'll all bring into the table what it is that we have to offer and what they most certainly have to offer is the ability to act. Absolutely. And to act now and act in ways that we've never been able to. 100%. Uh, that, that would be, sorry to interrupt, but that, that'd be it. my point too of like that cultivating those rhythms is I think there we've been pretty good at, you know, the the millennial and Gen X church. We've been pretty good at cultivating spaces for people to be together. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm all for reclaiming that and, and drawing us to the depths of that. We've been pretty good about like, hey, pray, <laughs> you know, read your Bible, whatever. But I, but I think what we're seeing in, in our present day reckoning from is our inability to know how to act. And so we there's certainly that's the mission of God. They're certain mm-hmm. certainly showing us that, you know, inability I, to know how to act concerning what the the injustices that, uh, that we're facing. Any, so we don't good. know how to act. Yes, we we will. We tend to just sit and watch. They seem to have a really clear moral compass, though. I, I, th- I, I mean, I think so. And I think that the tension is to not just be influencers, but to also be followers of what Gen Z is. is 100 percent to um, that's good. So there's this mutual influence, right? Yeah. Not just us influencing them, but we're allowing them to influence us in the things that they're strong in, which is clearly the ability to take action. Because that's still like actually shalom at the core of all of that is how do we, how do we cultivate spaces for the mutuality of that? I'm no, I don't have to be the expert in everything that I, to anybody who's younger than me, I should be listening, but I have to cultivate a space where we can listen to one another Mm. and then move together or, oh, you're. You, I'm gonna follow your lead on that. Come back home. We're kind of like a place where where there can be some restoration there. Like we have to work holistically together in that, and we have to be comfortable to relinquish even the the limelight uh, or the leadership to Gen Z yep. uh, to to go in that way. And and I mean and hype them up. You know, like like be 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 their be their hype people. You know, one hundred percent. And and let them know. Let them know we're with them and we're for them. Love it too. So. That's good, bro. Thank you. So as we kind of wrap this thing up, I really wanted to ask you as we tie a bow on it uh, for the influences that are listening and concerning this issue of peace. Like, what is it you really want them to take home? What is it you really want them to leave this conversation knowing and hopefully applying as it pertains to their relationships with Gen Zers? Mm -hmm. Um, I I mean, I think just to embrace embrace their role our role as as initiators like I, I think that's true I think that's a thing even just as a millennial that often is my critique of those who went before me is is that they didn't initiate spaces for me to uh, also come alongside and, and and lead and influence and and become so I think that's one thing we're seeing um, as it pertains to to peace and and cultivating peace making peace bringing peace, um, that's that's where I kind of wanted to hit back then on on what Dr. King said mm. said about that. I wanted to give us all on some level mm-hmm. this image of of something more that we're all after. Mm. And then I think the challenge for influencers and Gen Z in general is to is to collectively discern how we might join in what Jesus is already doing in, mm-hmm. in the world or would want to do. And and often we want our own ideas to lead that as opposed to sitting back into that space in which we might ask, ask God, where do you want us to go? What do you want us to do? And how do you want us to do it? 
Um, I think he wants us to ask that question, and I think he wants to answer it. Yeah. Too. And I think I think we'll be surprised. That's to, to the war point. I think we'll be surprised of the creative imagination that breaks loose when we host some of those spaces where that can happen. Mm. You know, I don't think we know what that'll even be that's, yet. Yeah, that's true. And and I think again, I think that's what's so powerful about Dr. King is that on some level we would all say he's like ahead of his time. You know, for that too. And I think so we can take our cues when we go back. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. from that when, when he talked about obnoxious peace right this mm-hmm. this would be this would be how I'd also try to answer the question that you haven't said out loud but you posed to me is like how does faith influence our perspective mm-hmm. on peace and I think it all rolls together with what's it mean to be an influencer what does it mean to be Gen Z in the world and so so he says he says this uh, he says peace is not merely the absence of some negative force war tension confusion but is the presence of some positive force, justice, goodwill, the power of the kingdom of God. So, so I think that's the invitation is mm. to join the, the presence of the positive force of making peace, of bringing mm. peace, of becoming that. And, and then, and then he, he, he spits some more fire when he, he says this. He's got these four points. He goes on to say this. He says, if peace means accepting second-class citizenship, I don't want it. If peace means keeping my mouth shut in the midst of injustice and evil, I don't want it. If peace means being complacently adjusted to a deadening status quo, I don't want peace. Mm. If peace means a willingness to be exploited economically, dominated politically, humiliated and segregated, I don't want peace. Mm. He said, so in a passive, nonviolent manner, we must revolt against Mm. this peace. Jesus says in substance... I will not be content until justice, goodwill, brotherhood, love, and the kingdom of God are established upon the earth. This is real peace, a peace embodied with the presence of positive good, the inner peace that comes as a result of doing God's will. Mm. Not just avoiding the devil. Wow. Yeah, that's it. Man, thank you, bro. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. That was rich. We must do this again and do it again soon. RLTK podcast. That episode is in the books on peace. Yes, sir. Questions, comments, concerns, bring them. This is the beginning of the conversation, not the end. We hope that this was helpful, edifying, challenging, encouraging. We love you guys. We will talk to you soon. Peace.